You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these friends whose hearts are um, wanting to learn more about how to walk with others and to do that well when people are going through separation, divorce, or maybe even have marriages that are in crisis. So, Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us, help us to know how to do that. Uh, You're the primary leader in all of this, and so we just want to follow your lead. And thank you for Church Initiative, these divorce care and choosing wisely before you divorce material, just being a tool uh, to help people in their roads to recovery. And we do pray, first and foremost, that if people don't know you through these interactions we have with them, that they can come to know you as Lord and Savior. And um, if they do know you and they're discouraged, that they can be encouraged again. So we love you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's watch our final leader training video. Does anyone need paper or a pen? No, you're good there. Okay. This is a 10-minuter, so not too long. And then we'll get another taste of an actual divorce care itself video. Pretty self-explanatory. BC4K, you heard about that. I haven't talked about that a lot. It said between ages of 5 and 12. For someone I know that's done it before, they felt like 5 and 10 might be more appropriate, that, that the older kids maybe didn't connect. Welcome, come on in. But, anyway, come on in. For those that are coming in for the first time, there is a clipboard I'm going to have you sign. Welcome, welcome. The first sheet is for Gail, Gail Mitchiff. If you just fill out that information if you want any email. And then the second sheet is for me. Welcome. Okay, well that's happening. Um, I'm going to give you a chance again to watch an actual divorce care video. The current ones, that again, that, was the, that leadership training DVD was from the Divorce Care 3.0, and um, the Divorce Care materials were updated this uh, past year, or they were le- released this past year, 2021. So, and for those that are listening, going to be listening um, through to the audio, I'll just review real quick, and, and also if you're here for the first time, just kind of the Quick, quick summary of, of what, what this is. So Church Initiative is the parent company behind the three tools, really. Divorce Care for Kids, you heard. Divorce Care itself, as well as choosing wisely before you divorce. And so Divorce Care itself is the website, www.divorcecare.org. And then um, you heard DC4K, is the www.divorcecare.org dc the number four and then k.org and then this choosing wisely before you divorce it's a free tool online now because it's a bit dated about 25 years old i think but still helpful this is a tool for marriages that are in crisis even if just one spouse is willing to watch these three videos at um www.beforeyoudivorce.org so that's a little bit about that. And my name is Daryl Michael, and my email is darylmichael at gmail.com. My number is 231-675-7570. And our group that we do in the Boyne City Seventh-day Adventist Church, our zip code is 49712. And why that matters is simultaneously we do it in person and we do it on Google Meet. 
So even if a church in your area, you go to divorcecare.org, you punch in your zip code, and oh no, it's the nearest one to me is two hours away or an hour away. Well, know that um, if you want, you could punch in our zip code and, and you can participate from anywhere. Um, and our group, I didn't write that up there, but our group begins the first Wednesday in September, which is September 7, 6.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. Okay? And I have a co-leader, female co-leader, which is awesome. Her name's Chelsea Granger. She's a part of our Boyne City Seventh-day Adventist Church as well. Okay? And then the only other thing is I'll read real quickly are the 13 videos for divorce care. So we are listening folks. Deep hurt is number one. Road to recovery, number two. Three is anger. Four is grief and depression. These are all about 30-minute videos. Five is loneliness. Six is fears and anxiety. Seven is family and friends. Referencing how those relationships can change during separation and divorce. Eight, financial and legal issues. Nine, conflict. Ten, forgiveness. Eleven really is about reconciliation, but it's titled in the new materials, Your Former Spouse, and versions of reconciliation, by the way. Not just reconciliation of a marriage, but maybe camp civility, potentially co-parenting if you have kids, and friendship, and then potentially marriage. Those are three levels. Single and parenting, number 12, and brighter days ahead, brighter days, number 13. Hey, any questions about all of that? To review for some, but full speed ahead for others of you. But glad you're here. Very good. So again, and where, what we're in is um, this course is the 215-315 is divorce care itself, but this one is leadership training for if you might have a heart for divorce care or some of these tools coming to your church that, that your church leadership might be. You know, ask to consider having this be one of the felt needs ministries in your church. Yes, question. And when you ask a question, I'm going to actually bring you the microphone just for the people that will listen later. How much is the kit? Good question. So the kit itself, I believe it's $360, a one-time fee, if I'm remembering right. And so what that includes is all of the 13 DVDs. It includes five of the participant workbooks. It includes two leader's guides and includes unlimited for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, when they talked about these ministry coaches that you called, you call church initiative or, or divorce care is again, one of the church initiative ministries. And at any time they'll help you get set up and unlimited usage of their website. Cause when people search for divorce recovery or, Whatnot, divorce care is certainly one of the first things that comes up. So uh, it's just a really helpful tool that really lasts. It's a one time fee, though. And yeah, I think it's, I don't know what the divorce care um, fee, the, sorry, divorce care for kids fee is. I don't know if they've updated that one recently. Our church currently is not doing that, but um, so I, you'd have to check with them to know what the price of that one would be. And uh, the, the company also does, just random thought here, but Grief Share, for those who have lost a loved one, um, it's another ministry that they do as well. 13 weeks as well. The only thing I would say is with us as Adventists, we see what happens when we die a little bit differently. So remember, this is a non-denominational trying to equip churches to walk with others through their pain. And um, 
Certainly, divorce care is very, very fitting for Adventist churches. I would personally even say, though, grief share, the quality of that's worth it. I, I like, even though grief share has materials in it that I don't agree with in parts of it, I love that it's a window to talk about. This might be how the video presents what happens when you die, when you die might be true, but it also might be, you know, talking about state of death and those kind of things. So, for me, it's a good window, in my opinion. So, there you go. Any questions about any of that? Otherwise, as you're thinking, in case you do have any, I'm going to have you vote um, on which divorce care video. I'm going to make sure this door is ajar a little bit. That way if, it shouldn't be locked, but if someone does want to come in. So here, here's your options. So the ones we're watching, just to give an idea, for the first session tomorrow, we're going to watch the your former spouse and then single living. So... I'm trying to spread it out a little bit because there's some people that are involved in both the 2.15 seminar and the 3.30 seminar. So, that means your choices today are fears and anxiety, family and friends, financial and legal issues, conflict, or brighter days. So, let me get a pen so I can do a little tally vote as you... As you decide which one, we're going to decide together, in other words, which one we're going to watch, okay? Okay, so hopefully, do, you, do I need to repeat those options? Well, I guess it, um, maybe if you're eyeing one. I will repeat them because you might be thinking of one that we've already done. So it's either fears and anxiety, family, so number six, number seven, family and friends, financial and legal issues, conflict, or brighter days. You ready? Vote for one. Okay, here we go. How many of you would like to see fears and anxiety? No, no condemnation. Even if you're, even if you're by yourself, still be nice and brave. It's okay. How about family and friends? Okay, we might have some. A lot of folks want to watch the same one. That'd be kind of fun. How about financial and legal issues? Okay. How about conflict? Winner. Brighter days? Anyone brighter days? It doesn't matter because I think four or five hands went up. So conflict. What's fun about that is that it's going to have a lot of stuff that's very practical no matter whether you're going through separation or divorce. So well done. That's kind of fun that we um, have so many people that wanted to watch the same one. How many of you as I'm preparing know about Matthew 18? Does that sound familiar? Matthew 18, 15 through 20? As far as how we handle conflict, if someone has hurt you, go to them one-on-one -on -one first, right? And if that doesn't work, you bring, on, bring in a couple others with you, amen? And then the church leadership as a whole, if that doesn't work. And so my personal opinion, I'm really passionate about that. If our churches would actually put that into practice, they would know that we are Christians by our love. And not just they in our church, but those people who would hear about the Seventh-day Adventist church and any Christian church. I really believe that. Because it's so easy for Sharon to say something that hurts me and I go and talk to Lewis about it. And Lewis, he hears it. I feel a little better. Let's just be frank, right? I feel a little better about it because I talked to someone about it. Lewis is looking at Sharon differently now because Lewis is only hearing one side of the story. So you just see this triangle that was created that was unhealthy. 
right? Let's just say that I actually eventually reconcile with Sharon or have a dialogue about it. If I didn't circle back and tell Lewis, you can just see how convoluted this gets, right? So, my encouragement is, friends, let's do it. Let's be people who, some friend comes to you and be like, can you believe what Sally did? Early on, say to her, or say to that person, have you talked to Sally about this yet? Go ahead and do that and let me know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, they might. They might. So that, it would be a massive culture change, but I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it, especially if pastors or ministry leaders of any way. Um, I just at lunch, actually, in the lunch line, someone talked about that, and they shared the same thing of like, here's a scenario I was doing, and we said exactly what we just described. I'm like, praise the Lord. Thank you for doing that. Because I think that completely is following Jesus' instruction you know, on, on how, to, how to potentially resolve conflict and do it in the most healthy way. Okay? All right. It's not easy, though. I get it. It's hard to do that, but it's worth it. It's well worth it. Subtitles I'm going to turn on, and conflict. Here we come. And then we'll have some time afterwards to debrief. Choreography is the key to any successful dance performance. And many of our conversations, especially during divorce, require a form of choreography as well. However, successful conversations really do require the willingness of both people. But even when we don't have that willingness, there are steps we can take to avoid conflict and promote peace in our interactions with our former spouse and others. That's our topic today. Welcome to Divorce Cure. Like many marriages that end in divorce, Kimberly's was filled with unresolved conflict that caused a lot of arguments. Usually our arguments would start about finances or just, you know, helping to do work around the house. Who, who was going to do what? Well, you didn't take out the trash. Well, you didn't cook last month. Everything would come to the front and we just get into a shouting match. And depending on the time, the time of day, how much she had been drinking, things might get thrown. One time, I just remember the Xbox going flying into the fireplace. I lost it and started screaming and there was a knock at the door. So, I mean, cops came to my house. When you don't have the tools you need to effectively resolve conflict, relationship problems multiply and become difficult to manage. For Kimberly, her marriage spiraled out of control, eventually leading to physical violence. So one night, he was in the guest room, talking on the phone, and he was talking to a, a female. And I quickly confronted him and pulled the phone away from him and tried to see who was on the other line. He reached for the phone, and we started kind of physically tussling and whatnot. And I remember him pulling me over the sofa to try to get the phone. And I just saw red. And remember going and getting this brand new Sudoku knife, which they're very sharp. And I just started running for him. He ran into the bathroom. I couldn't see him. He was on the other side of the door, but I just remember putting the knife in. 
and I heard him scream. I had cut him on the shoulder, well, stabbed him pretty much. And he drove to the hospital and I could see the blood drops on the carpet leading out the door. And going in to comfort my son and put him to bed and just trying to get blood out of the carpet and being in shock as to what had just happened and what could have happened. It's important to learn conflict resolution skills for the sake of future relationships, whether with your former spouse or with other people. I had a relationship with a woman that I was convinced we were going to be um, a long-term relationship. This was going to be the one that solved all the problems that I thought I was having. And we started having the exact same conflicts that I had when I was married. When I got married again, I, had, I did not realize that I was doing the same thing that I had been doing in my first marriage, which was, you know, trying to avoid conflict at all costs. I didn't know how to deal with anger. He who yells loudest and longest wins the argument. That was how I dealt with conflict. And if I knew I was wrong or I knew that um, what I was saying wasn't justified, I would just shut down. Like, I didn't want to talk about it anymore. Five years in, we had a conflict with one of our children. You know, we had four teenagers between the two of us, and we had full custody. And so something happened, and I disagreed with him, and he kind of just clammed up, and we did not handle it well. We both reacted out of fear. And we ended up being separated. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to be divorced twice. I woke up one day and she was having an affair. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, how did I get here all over again? And this is five years later. Um, and, you know, I'd come full circle again. I was in the exact same spot. I was having the exact same problems. And it was a completely different person. Learning new dance moves can be tricky. At first, the new moves may feel awkward and be hard to remember. But the more we practice, the more our dancing will improve. The same is true when dealing with conflict. In our session today, we want to consider two questions related to conflict management. How do we handle ourselves in a disagreement? And how do we respond when someone else approaches us in anger? Let's start with how we handle ourselves. Before we say anything to the other person, it's important to make sure we have the right attitude and motives, as well as appropriate expectations and goals for the conversation. You know, being a peacemaker, as Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 9, is one of the is one of the greatest challenges, but one of the greatest opportunities we have as Christians. It's really to model him. And being a peacemaker does not mean that we just overlook everything, we just uh, fake peace and, and let uh, important issues go by. It has a lot to do with our attitude. Are we going to engage the other person in a contentious way or competitive way, or are we going to engage the person in a redemptive way, a loving way, a gentle way? Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, they, should be called the sons of God. Being a peacemaker is even as you speak the truth to that person, you always pay attention to the relational level of the communication. The relational is the amount of compassion between two individuals, the amount of respect between two individuals, and the amount of acknowledgement. If my ex-wife says something that I particularly don't like, I don't come right back with something else. 
try to make sure I try to find out where, where is this coming from or why are you feeling this way uh, before I uh, respond back. Being a peacemaker doesn't mean you're a doormat. It means as you disagree, you will always be civil. You're always saying, am I coming across respectful right now? Am I acknowledging this person's good points, even if it's said poorly? And do I have compassion for that person? So being a peacemaker entails we, we don't ever separate the content from the relational. It's easiest to see what conflict skills you need to work on when you think about how you've responded to conflict in the past. I grew up in a dysfunctional household. My parents divorced when I was young. It was a very high conflict divorce and it was a very high conflict uh, co-parenting situation. My parents constantly fought with each other. The way I grew up, we were getting not only spankings, we were getting belts. We were getting hit with things thrown across the room. So my modeling of how to deal with conflict is you yell a lot. And so that's what I carried into my divorce. That's all I've always known on how to deal with anger. Obviously, that creates a cycle that continues. I'm going to break that cycle. So how can you break poor conflict resolution habits? In a sense, you have to learn some new moves for dealing with conflict. Here are a few steps you can take the next time you find yourself in a disagreement with someone. How to deal with a delicate situation and negotiate something. Think about it, plan your words, plan the timing. The first thing is you want to do it when you're calm <laughs> and when your ex-spouse is calm. When there's a lot of emotion in the room, that can cause one person or the other to be very defensive. Before, um, I would just kind of be, be suckered into arguments and the insults and different things like that. And then after a while, I just started to, I, I, I knew what to expect in a phone call or in a text or, you know, a, a, a nasty message. So rather than just pretending like it wasn't going to happen and then being supposedly surprised, I would just say, okay, well, this is probably going to happen, but this is what I can say, or this is what I don't have to say, or I don't have to respond at all. However you choose to respond, make sure you're not distracted by secondary concerns that will trip you up. Keep it simple and keep it to the facts. So if the other person is trying to engage you in an issue governing like a custody exchange, keep it to the point. You know, where was the exchange to occur? What time? Who was supposed to be there? Where was it supposed to be? Keep it to the who, what, when, where, why, you know, those kind of questions. Um, but don't get dragged into all the detours and go down the rabbit holes. You need to keep your responses limited to maybe three or four sentences. My dealings with her were limited, email or through an attorney, um, and tried to be succinct and clear without being emotional about what I wanted, what I expected. Use I statements. When we start off with you this or you that, that automatically is going to put the person on defense. And at that point, they're thinking about how they're going to respond, right? They're not necessarily taking in anything that you have to say. Making sure that you're using language that's very neutral and non-blaming. Don't engage in cussing. Don't start engaging in like the name calling or telling them what a horrible parent they are or all the things that they did wrong throughout your marriage. Um, that's just not going to get you anywhere. 
seek to find common ground, very seldom is a person completely wrong A to Z. Show the other person you're looking for the best explanation, not just trying to catch them and prove they're wrong. Your attitude will come across and it's charitable and gracious and gentle, much better conversation. If you don't seek common ground, there's no way you and the other person can move in sync with one another and resolve the conflict. One day, Diane came to me with a book. And the front cover, I'll never forget, the front cover is the back of a, a woman, hand out like this, like, enough. And all I did was take a look at the cover. And that book made me mad. Like, oh, what, are you leaving? What, are you depressed now? What are you, you know, in, in just the last few years, I went and got a copy of that book and I read it. And the book's actually about saving a marriage. So I read the book, I highlighted it, I met with her, I cried, I wrote her a letter, I apologized. I stopped and I said, have you read this book? She said, yeah, I have. Why do you think I stuck around for the last five years? Understanding the other person requires good listening skills. It helps to understand the different forms of listening and how to use them effectively. Those of us who study listening have identified two forms of listening. Each are incredibly valuable. You just can't mix up when to do each of them. The first form of listening is called just simply listen to understand. One technique would be paraphrasing what you hear your ex-spouse say. So you repeat back in a concise way what you hear and then you say what I'm hearing you say is. And you can also reflect feelings which is a way to empathize with the other person. By using paraphrasing and reflecting feelings, you are showing the other person, I'm willing to hear your side. I'm willing to hear you, and you are not attacking the other person. The second form is listening to evaluate. That's when a person says something, you're absolutely checking that person's facts. You're listening, uh, whether it's true or not, whether your ex is over-exaggerating a point or has a point completely wrong. So, two key forms of listening, listening to evaluate, listen to understand, start with understanding, and that kind of greases the rails then to listen to evaluate and have a good, hopefully non-defensive conversation. To get a better understanding of where someone is coming from, it helps to learn the backstory of how that viewpoint became important to them. The Harvard Negotiation Project have come up with an idea of what the number one mistake is in conflict. They say this, all we do is share conclusions with each other. We never share how we arrived at the conclusion. This is what I believe, but I never hear from you. How did you get there? Why is lateness uh, such a bothersome thing to you? How did finances become so important to you? Why is it so important to you that we homeschool? Why is it so important that we do X, Y, and Z? Just don't trade conclusions with each other. Stop long enough to say, when did you first start to think this way? When did this passion of yours start? And get the backstory, and often that fosters compassion. After Carol and Pete's divorce, Carol struggled with moving forward in her life. Then her pastor recommended some books that provided Carol new insights about how the past can shape who we become. I needed to go back and just look at my 
my own first family, my own childhood, which had its great deal of dysfunction. And, and then I was trying to figure out some of the things that the counselor had said about Pete. And I had to look at his family, which was also, in their way, dysfunctional. His mother once told me that they deliberately didn't give any of their values to their sons because they both had been raised by very authoritarian fathers that they sort of rebelled against. So they didn't want to impose their values. And I remember when she told me that, my heart sort of sank. <laughs> I'm going like, you can't raise kids with no values. And I realized, and again, it was from the book the pastor gave me, that families have their own cultures. And in some ways, I felt sorry for him, but it made me more understanding you know, sort of caring more. You know, I can have compassion for you without getting back into the marriage. Keep in mind that communication is both verbal and nonverbal. Choose your words carefully to communicate your point, but be aware that your body language can often speak louder than your words. You may need to ask a friend to help you with this. Whenever you're having a delicate conversation, your body language, facial expressions, tone of voice, uh, actually carries more meaning and more impact than the actual words you choose. When uh, I'm presented with a, pers uh, a perspective that I just don't agree with, but I know not to be rude enough to jump in and just co-opt the conversation and get my answer, my wife says, this is what I do. I just go, that's it. And then I wait for my turn, and sometimes my wife has said, okay, stop, stop. It's obvious you disagree with what I'm saying. I said, why, what, Tim? Every time I bring something up you disagree with, you go, We communicate with the expression on our face and it sends a big message. This would be a reason not to have a conversation when you're feeling intense anger. It will come through your eyes. It will come through your, your facial expressions. I honestly do not know that I'm doing that. It's good for a friend that you trust and say, Tim, here's what I see you doing. Here's how I interpret it. And that is the only way I think to become aware of our nonverbals is for somebody to point out things and give us their interpretation of that particular nonverbal. One of the best moves you can make in your conflict resolution choreography is working with the other person to come up with creative solutions that incorporate both your interests. The more you understand the other person, what's important to them, the more likely you are to come up with solutions that meet their interests as well as your own. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul writes that we have to have the same attitude that Christ had. He says that we need to think not only about our own interests, but we also have to think about the interests of others. Ask questions, say, what do you think would be wise? What, what would be your goal? How should we approach this? It shows respect to the other person. It invites them into the conversation. It increases the likelihood of learning what that person's interests are. And then you try, try to find a solution that actually merges that person's interests with yours. There are going to be times when it's hard to do that on your own. And when you may need to bring in a mediator. And if that's the case, discuss it with that person. To say, you know, this might be a conversation that's not best for us to have just with the two of us. 
I think it would be good if we brought in this part, maybe a pastor or, you know, maybe a counselor at church just so we can have this conversation with a witness and make sure that we do it in a very respectful way. We want to consider two questions related to conflict management. Our second question today is how do we respond when someone else approaches us in anger? When we feel verbally attacked, by nature, we are inclined to defend ourselves. And one of the ways that we defend ourselves is with counterattack. And the escalation gets increasingly more personal and uglier. I need to control the way I express my anger. I need to use it for good and not for harm. And that has to be a decision that you make because in the moment, you don't feel like it. When you're mad, you don't think. You just, you're just acting on that emotion at that moment. You're not thinking of what are the consequences. All you think is that by doing this, it's going to somehow diminish your own pain. By causing someone else problems or pain, you're going to be okay. But that's not the way it works. I had to teach myself not to be on the same level as him. If his, when he did call or would communicate, there was always this hollering, screaming, talking negatively, and just bashing. So I would just talk in a calm voice and say, it's okay. The writer of Proverbs says, a gentle answer turns away wrath. That's another way of saying that calm prevents escalation. It can help put out a fire or can even prevent one from sparking. In some cases, it may be wise to say, I can see you're really angry right now and understand that. Can we just take a couple minutes to pause before we go on? Something like, John, I know this is important to you. I can, I can see that. It's something we do need to talk about, but I can tell you're angry right now that, that it's not going to lay the groundwork for a good conversation. Would you mind if I just took a walk around the block? I'll be back in five minutes and we will have this conversation. Anything to try to let those emotions subside before you jump into a conversation that may go from bad to worse. There may be times when you need to be the one who takes a time out to keep your anger under control. Without some self-control, no conflict resolution choreography can ever be successful. I still have a, you know, a temper. What I do now is kind of take a breather. I step away from the situation, especially when I'm super angry. I need to step away because the thing about it is now I don't break things, but my words can break hearts. So I have to, to step away in order to avoid hurting someone else. Honestly, when it's really bad, it's a lot of prayer that gets me through. I recently had an incident, you know, with my daughter and her father, and it was very upsetting to me, and I wanted to call him immediately or text him immediately, but there was a voice, be still and know that I am God, that said, wait, you're angry right now, just wait, get some perspective, and so I waited, and I texted him the next morning, it was very respectful, it was mature. And I said what I need to say, and I was really dealing with the situation. After her divorce, Kimberly still struggled with falling into the same old patterns of anger as she and her ex-husband tried to co-parent their young son. I would get calls all night before I went to bed. One time I woke up to 30 or 40 texts. Initially, when he would send them, I would send them right back. 
So he would say one thing and, and jab because he knew how to get at me. And I would send one right back because I knew what buttons to push with him. Um, but it was ineffective. Once Kimberly was willing to admit that exchanging negative texts did not produce any good results, she learned some new strategies to reduce conflict with her former husband. I actually learned how to use my phone because I did not know you could block <laughs> calls at a certain time. So I would set my phone so that I could not get anything between 10 and 6 a.m. The only people that could get me were my mom and my sister. I learned how to really pray in those moments. Like when the texts come in, I just did not read them um, because I knew that at night I was more apt to respond negatively. We were no longer together in the house. So the objective is us co-parenting our child. So if it did not deal with our son, it did not matter. So it was just, to me, it was just nonsense and I didn't read through and I would scroll until I saw our son's name so if I didn't see his name I realized that this was emotions and it had nothing to do with us co-parenting so I would leave it alone my only purpose and goal now is to get to healthy um, co-parenting one of the primary goals in any conflict situation is to make honoring or glorifying God your first priority and what that means is, is to reflect God's character and goodness in how we engage other people. That we imitate him, his gentleness, his humility, his kindness, his mercy. Alyssa gives us an example of what glorifying God might look like. Of course, what it means to glorify God will be different depending on your situation. After he moved in with this girlfriend, he said, I need that car back. And I said, you got this car for me to drive with the money from my truck that was totaled that I paid for. And then he was like, I can't afford it anymore. And I said, I don't know why. You're no longer paying rent. So why can't you pay for the car anymore? And then he just starts asking me for more and more stuff. I was like, I don't mind splitting things, but why would you even want to take our bedroom set to someone else's house with another woman? That doesn't even make sense. My washer and dryer, my bedroom set, the car, he wanted to take everything. In the face of hostility, Alyssa decided not to respond in the same way to her ex-husband's selfish actions, but decided to show him mercy and kindness instead. I found some things of his. I called him and told him I had some important stuff of his and asked them to meet me. And I returned them to them. People were telling me, burn them, throw them in the trash. But I didn't feel like that was the right thing to do. So I gave him to him. He sent me a text a little bit later, and he was like, thank you so much for bringing me this stuff. All the way up until then, I was actually scared to see him or you know, like have conversation or anything, but it was just so calm. It was like a victory for me. In the next session of Divorce Care, I have a right to be angry. I'm not going to forgive him. Why should I forgive him? My feelings are totally ripped out of me. and they deserve the forgiveness? Can I forgive him for being a bad parent? I'm not there yet. There's no way that I could ever be forgiven for that. The more you hold on to something, the more it becomes a part of you. When you're holding a grudge and you're not giving forgiveness, you can't move on. Be ready for that next difficult conversation. Use the On My Own exercises in your participant guide this week to get more insights on how to handle conflict. 
Day four will shed light on whether what you're doing now is helping or hurting you. Now we're ready for our discussion time. We hope you'll tell the group what information was new to you and what insights you think will help you deal with the conflicts in your life. We've covered a lot of ground today, but there's one element of conflict resolution we didn't talk about. Because it's so crucial, we wanted to make sure we gave it adequate attention, so we'll be devoting all of our next session to it. This crucial element is forgiveness. Thank you for coming to Divorce Care this week. We hope the steps for conflict resolution that we've shared today will be helpful when you need them. And although not all conflicts will end the way you hope, you can still feel good about how you conducted yourself in these conversations. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thankfully, normally a divorce care group is an hour and a half or two hours. So uh, we don't have that today, though, unfortunately. So literally, any quick responses, it's already 4.30, so I want to close in prayer. But helpful? Just kind of like... Helpful specifics, I imagine. Amen. I agree with that. There's so many, and, and so many of these, um, you learn principles. You really do. You just take it out of the context because obviously they're regularly referring to separation and divorce. But I agree, and um, and it's come up in other discussions too in some of these seminars. It would be very helpful if people just had a heart to learn more about what someone who's separated and divorced is going through, just to come. And even if they just listen, and I want to be able to care for my friends and my family members more in what they're going through. Because you're right, there's so much they're going to learn personally. It's so true. So there's no shortage of, of what can happen. Um, I've never done that before, but I could totally see tons of people coming, watching the video. And if you had enough leaders, it could even be, you know, family members and friends of divorced folks or separated folks, you go and hang out with this person who's going to facilitate discussion. And if you're actually going through it, stay in this group. Like, I, th I think it could totally happen. Or everyone could stay together. And then those that are um, just friends and family would just need to listen because you want to give space for those who are you know, actually going through it. I have a, well, I think it's kind of a question, but I just find a problem with so I feel like people are hesitant just to even, like, I wish it had a different name because all of these things are, like, things that we all deal with and whatever. But I feel like people are hesitant to want to go to that because they don't want to be labeled. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I went to divorce care. And, like, for instance, like, if Andrea would be coming with me and she's shared, oh, I went to divorce care, people automatically, like, it, they, yeah, something going on with her and her husband, whereas she's coming maybe for me or she's coming for, like you said, just to have a heart for, so it's almost like you wish it had a different name, if that makes sense. Yes, well, yeah, to include others. Me, like, what meetings I was going to at lunch. I tried to, like, <laughs> like I'm them. going to divorce care, but it's, like, how to witness to your church and have it be, like, an outreach. <laughs> it's so <laughs> awkward to tell people that. Yeah, that's true. But good. Especially to the person I was saying it to. I knew. Yeah. And the next thing they <laughs> yeah, do yeah. say, like, because they know that you're married, it's like, mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yes. it's, yeah. Which is, a, I'm glad you're talking about that because there is a stigma. You're talking about a stigma. It's no different with mental illness. Hey, I went to a seminar about mental illness. Are you struggling with mental illness? Yeah, which is, 
Can we be people that have more of the tell me more about why you went? Like instead of the jumping to conclusions, like that that guy on the video, here's this book with someone with their hand. All of those defensive conclusions he jumped to, right? Like we can do that so easily as people instead of asking. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for your courage. Thank you for your courage to come here. But you have to address these issues. Unfortunately, it's, I, I agree. Though you don't want to say I'm going to divorce care because immediately people have the, the the idea it must be something with you guys. You know what's wrong with you? Uh, but I, I know a couple situations at our church that I wish we had of taking the initiative. Uh, when we saw some things going on, but we said, no. And then a few months later, yes, yes. And, and it, the kids are involved. And so it's like, wow, what do we do? And, you know, it's unfortunate, but our churches are not preparing those in leadership positions to just deal with this with an open mind. Um, you know, you, one of the questions I have is how you get someone to admit and accept the responsibility um, like the guy that read the book and he said I thought it was one thing and then I read it and it was totally different well so he took it uh, acceptance of that particular part of the issue in the relationship I'm sure there were other other issues but many times whether it's the male or the female the uh, accepting that responsibility that I created this or I had something to do with creating this. If you don't recognize it or don't accept it, then you'll never get past the impasse. So bond. So I want to respect. What I'm going to do is close in prayer and then um, if you want to stay and chat more, I totally will. We can, but I also want to respect those that need to go and get children and et cetera, et cetera, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you again for this opportunity. These friends who are brave. Yes, the seminar said leadership training for divorce care and choosing wisely, but still there's a stigma. It's been talked about. And so I just pray for them um, that this can even just personally have been beneficial and how they interact with others, but as well, just helping them have a heart for want to walk with others who are going through difficult times and separation divorce is a part of that. And so Bless them as they go from here today. Continue to um, help them to grow in their walks with you. And um, Lord, I just uh, pray for more and more churches to want to see divorce care be a, a ministry that helps people who are separated and divorced. And, and um, in the meantime, even just more that might participate with our, our group uh, through Google Meet if it's uh, if they're not in, our, in the Boyne City area. So even at minimum that pastors would say, hey, encourage you to at least participate uh, remotely. So we love you. We thank you for this time again. And again, bless these friends as they uh, move forward in the rest of this day. And we'll give you the glory for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.